The Acts of the Apostles, Chapter 17 through 22 from the 20th Century New Testament. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by J. A. Carter, www.authenticlight.org. The Twentieth Century New Testament by a company of about twenty scholars. The Acts of the Apostles, Chapter 17 through 22. Chapter 17. After passing through Amphipolis and Apollonia, Paul and Silas came to Thessalonica. Here the Jews had a synagogue, and following his usual custom, Paul joined them, and for three Sabbaths addressed them, drawing his arguments from the Scriptures. He laid before them and explained that the Christ must undergo suffering and rise from the dead. And it is this man, he declared, who is the Christ, this Jesus, about whom I am telling you. Some of the people were convinced, and threw in their lot with Paul and Silas, as did also a large body of Greeks who were accustomed to join in the Jewish services, and a great number of women belonging to the leading families. But the Jews, becoming jealous, engaged some worthless fellows from the streets, and getting a mob together, kept the city in an uproar. They attacked Jason's house with the intention of bringing Paul and Silas before the popular assembly, and not finding them there, they proceeded to drag Jason and some of the brethren before the city magistrates, shouting out, these men who have turned the world upside down have now come here and have been harbored by jason they are all defying the decrees of the emperor they say that someone else is king a man called jesus on hearing this the people and the city magistrates were much concerned and before letting them go they took bail from jason and the others that very night the brethren sent paul and silas off to berea and on reaching that place they went to the jewish synagogue these Jews of Berea were better disposed than those in Thessalonica, for they welcomed the message with great readiness, and daily examined the scriptures to see if what was said was true. As a consequence, many of them became believers in Christ, besides a considerable number of Greek women of position, and of men also. But when the Jews of Thessalonica found out that God's message had been delivered by Paul at Berea, they came there too, exciting and disturbing the minds of the people. Immediately upon that, the brethren sent Paul off on his way to the sea-coast, but both Silas and Timothy stayed behind in Berea. The friends who escorted Paul took him as far as Athens, and after receiving a message for Silas and Timothy to join him as quickly as possible, they started on their return. While Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his heart was stirred at seeing the whole city full of idols. So he argued in the synagogue with the Jews, and with those who joined in their worship, as well as daily in the public square with those who happened to be there. Among others, some Epicurean and Stoic philosophers joined issue with him. Some would ask, What is this praetor wanting to make out? While others would say, He seems to be a preacher of foreign deities. This was because he was telling the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. So they laid hold of him and took him to the court of Areopagus. May we hear, they asked, what new teaching this is that you are giving? For you are bringing some strange things to our notice, and we should like to know what they mean. All Athenians and the foreigners staying in the city found no time for anything else but telling or listening to the last new thing. So Paul took his stand in the middle of the court and said, Men of Athens, on every hand I see signs of your being very devout. For as I was going about looking at your sacred shrines, I came upon an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. What therefore you worship in ignorance, that I am now proclaiming to you. 
the god who made the world and all things that are in it he lord as he is of heaven and earth does not dwell in temples made by hands nor yet do human hands minister to his wants as though he needed anything since he himself gives to all life and breath and all things he made all races of men from one stock and caused them to settle on all parts of the earth's surface fixing a time for their rise and fall and the limits of their settlements that they might search for god if by any means they might feel their way to him and find him and yet he is not really far from any one of us for in him we live and move and are to use the words of some of your own poets his offspring too are we therefore as the offspring of god we must not think that the deity has any resemblance to anything made of gold or silver or stone a work of human art and imagination true god looked with indulgence on the days of men's ignorance but now he is announcing to every one everywhere the need for repentance because he has fixed a day on which he intends to judge the world with righteousness by a man whom he has appointed and of this he has given all men a pledge by raising this man from the dead on hearing of a resurrection of the dead some began jeering but others said that they would hear what he had to say about that another time so paul left the court there were however some men who joined him and became believers in christ among them were dionysus a member of the court of areopagus a woman named damaris and several others chapter eighteen on leaving athens paul next went to corinth there he met a jew of the name of aquila a native of pontus who with his wife priscilla had lately come from italy in consequence of the order which had been issued by the emperor claudius for all jews to leave rome paul paid them a visit and since their trade was the same as his he stayed and worked with them their trade was tent-making every sabbath paul gave addresses to the synagogue trying to convince both jews and greeks but when silas and timothy came down from macedonia paul devoted himself entirely to delivering the message earnestly maintaining before the jews that jesus was the christ however as they set themselves against him and became abusive paul shook his clothes in protest and said to them your blood be on your own heads my conscience is clear from this time forward i shall go to the gentiles so he left and went to the house of a certain titius justice who had been accustomed to join in the worship of god and whose house was next door to the synagogue crispus the president of the synagogue came to believe in the lord and so did all his household and many of the corinthians as they listened to paul became believers in christ and were baptized one night the lord said to paul in a vision have no fear but continue to speak and refuse to be silenced for i am with you and no one shall do you harm for i have many people in this city so he settled there for a year and a half and taught god's message among the people while gallio was governor of greece the jews made a combined attack on paul and brought him before the governor's bench charging him with persuading people to worship god in a way forbidden by the law just as paul was on the point of speaking gallio said to the jews jews if this were a case of misdemeanor or some serious crime there would be some reason for my listening patiently to you but since it is a dispute about words and names and your own law you must see to it yourselves i do not choose to be a judge in such matters saying this he drove them back from the bench then they all set upon sosthenes the president of the synagogue and beat him in front of the bench but gallio did not trouble himself about any of these things paul remained there some time after this and then took leave of the brethren and sailed to syria with priscilla and aquila not before his head had been shaved at sencre because he was under a vow 
they put into Ephesus, and there Paul, leaving his companions, went into the synagogue and addressed the Jews. When they asked him to prolong his stay, he declined, saying, however, as he took his leave, I will come back again to you, please God, and then set sail from Ephesus. On reaching Caesarea, he went up to Jerusalem and exchanged greetings with the church, and then went down to Antioch. After making some stay in Antioch, he set out on a tour through the Phrygian district of Galatia, strengthening the faith of all the disciples as he went. Meanwhile, there had come to Ephesus an Alexandrian Jew named Apollos, an eloquent man who was well versed in the scriptures. He had been well instructed in the cause of the Lord, and with burning zeal he spoke of and taught carefully the facts about Jesus, though he knew of no baptism but John's. This man began to speak out fearlessly in the synagogue, and when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him home and explained the cause of God to him more carefully still. When he wanted to cross to Greece, the brethren furthered his plans and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. On his arrival he proved of great assistance to those who had, through the loving kindness of God, become believers in Christ, for he vigorously confuted the Jews, publicly proving by the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. Chapter 19 While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland districts of Roman Asia and went to Ephesus. There he found some disciples, of whom he asked, Did you, when you became believers in Christ, receive the Holy Spirit? No, they answered. We did not even hear that there was a Holy Spirit. What then was your baptism? Paul asked. John's baptism was their answer. John's baptism was a baptism upon repentance, rejoined Paul. And John told the people, speaking of the one coming after him, that they should believe in him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized into the faith of the Lord Jesus. And after Paul had placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit descended upon them, and they began to speak with tongues and to preach. There were about twelve of them in all. Paul went to the synagogue there, and for three months spoke out fearlessly, giving addresses and trying to convince his hearers about the kingdom of God. Some of them, however, hardened their hearts and refused to believe, denouncing the cause before the people. So Paul left them and withdrew his disciples and gave daily addresses in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years, so that all who lived in Roman Asia, Jews and Greeks alike, heard the Lord's message. God did miracles of no ordinary kind by Paul's hands, so that people would carry home to the sick handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his body, and their diseases would leave them, and the wicked spirits go out of them. An attempt was made by some itinerant Jews who were exorcists to use the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had wicked spirits in them. I adjure you, they would say, by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. The seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this, but the wicked spirit answered them, Jesus I acknowledge, and Paul I know, but you, who are you? Then the man in whom the wicked spirit was sprang upon them, mastered both of them, and so completely overpowered them that they fled out of the house, stripped of their clothes, and wounded. This incident came to the knowledge of all the Jews and Greeks living at Ephesus. They were all awestruck, and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in the highest honor. Many, too, of those who had become believers in Christ came with a full confession of their practices, while a number of people who had practiced magic collected their books and burnt them publicly and on reckoning up the price of these, they found that it amounted to five thousand pounds. So irresistibly did the Lord's message spread and prevail. Sometime after these events, Paul resolved to go through Macedonia and Greece, and then make his way to Jerusalem. After I have been there, he said, I must visit Rome also. 
So he sent to Macedonia two of his helpers, Timothy and Erastus, while he himself stayed for some time longer in Roman Asia. Just about that time a great disturbance arose about the cause. A silversmith named Demetrius, who made silver models of the shrine of Artemis, and so gave a great deal of work to the artisans, got these men together, as well as the workmen engaged in similar occupations, and said, Men, you know that our prosperity depends upon this work, and you see in here that not only at Ephesus, but in almost the whole of Roman Asia, this Paul has convinced and won over great numbers of people by his assertion that those gods which are made by hands are not gods at all, so that not only is this business of ours likely to fall into discredit, but there is the further danger that the temple of the great goddess Artemis will be thought nothing of, and that she herself will be deprived of her splendor, though all Roman Asia and the whole world worship her. When they heard this, the men were greatly enraged, and began shouting, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! The commotion spread throughout the whole city, and the people rushed together into the amphitheatre, dragging with them Gaius and Aristarchus, two Macedonians who were Paul's travelling companions. Paul wished to go into the amphitheatre and face the people, but the disciples would not let him, while some of the chief religious officials of the province, who were friendly to him, sent repeated entreaties to him not to trust himself inside. Meanwhile some were shouting one thing and some another, for the assembly was all in confusion, most of them present not even knowing why they had met. But some of the crowd prompted Alexander, whom the Jews had pushed to the front, and he waved his hand to show that he wanted to speak in their defence to the people. However, when they recognised him as a Jew, one cry broke from them all, and they continued shouting for two hours, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! When the recorder had succeeded in quieting the crowd, he said, Men of Ephesus, who is there, I ask you, who needs to be told that this city of Ephesus is the warden of the temple of the great Artemis, and of the statue that fell down from Zeus? As these are undeniable facts, you ought to keep calm and do nothing rash, for you have brought these men here, though they are neither robbers of temples nor blasphemers of our goddess. If, however, Demetrius and the artisans who are acting with him have a charge to make against any one, there are court days and there are magistrates. Let both parties take legal proceedings. But if you want anything more, it will have to be settled in the regular assembly. For I tell you that we are in danger of being proceeded against for today's riot, there being nothing to account for it, and in that case we shall be at a loss to give any reason for this disorderly gathering. With these words he dismissed the assembly. Chapter 20 When the uproar had ceased, Paul sent for the disciples, and with encouraging words bade them good-bye, and started on his journey to Macedonia. After going through those districts and speaking many encouraging words to the disciples, he went into Greece, where he stayed three months. He was about to sail to Syria when he learnt that a plot had been laid against him by the Jews, so he decided to return by way of Macedonia. He was accompanied by Sopater the son of Pyrrhus of Berea, Aristarchus and Secundus from Thessalonica, Gaius of Derby and Timothy, as well as Tychicus and Trophimus of Roman Asia. These men went to Troas and waited for us there, while we ourselves sailed from Philippi after the Passover, and joined them five days later at Troas, where we stayed for a week. On the first day of the week, when we had met for the breaking of bread, Paul, who was intending to leave the next day, began to address those who were present, and prolonged his address till midnight. There were a good many lamps in the upstairs rooms where we had met, and a young man named Eutychus, sitting at the window, was gradually overcome with great drowsiness, as Paul continued his address. At last, quite overpowered by his drowsiness, 
he fell from the third story to the ground and was picked up for dead but paul went down threw himself upon him and put his arms around him do not be alarmed he said he's still alive then he went upstairs and after breaking and partaking of the bread he talked with them at great length till daybreak and then left meanwhile they had taken the lad away alive and were greatly comforted we started first went on board ship and sailed for assos intending to take paul on board there this was by his own arrangement as he intended to go by land himself so when he met us at assos we took him on board and went on to mytilene the day after we had sailed from there we arrived at chios touched at samos the following day and the next day reached miletus for paul had decided to sail past ephesus so as to avoid spending too much time in roman asia he was making haste to reach jerusalem if possible by the festival at the close of the harvest from miletus however he sent to ephesus and invited the officers of the church to meet him and when they came he spoke to them as follows you know well the life that i always led among you from the very first day that i set foot in roman asia serving the lord as i did in all humility amid the tears and trials which fell to my lot through the plots of the jews i never shrank from telling you anything that could be helpful to you or from teaching you both in public and in private i earnestly pointed both jews and greeks to the repentance that leads to god and to faith in jesus our lord and now under spiritual constraint i am here on my way to jerusalem not knowing what will happen to me there except that in town after town the holy spirit plainly declares to me that imprisonment and troubles await me but i count my life of no value to myself if only i may complete the course marked out for me and the task that was allotted to me by the lord jesus which was to declare the good news of the love of god and now i tell you i know that none of you will ever see my face again you among whom i have gone about proclaiming the kingdom therefore i declare to you this day that my conscience is clear in regard to the fate of any of you for i have not shrunk from announcing the whole purpose of god regarding you be watchful over yourselves and over the whole flock of which the holy spirit has placed you in charge to shepherd the church of god which he won for himself at the cost of his life i know that after my departure merciless wolves will get in among you who will not spare the flock and from among yourselves too men will arise who will teach perversions of truth so as to draw away the disciples after them therefore be on your guard remembering how for three years night and day i never ceased even with tears to warn each one of you and now i commend you to the lord and to the message of his love a message which has the power to build up your characters and to give you place among all those who have become christ's people i have never coveted anyone's gold or silver or clothing you yourselves know that these hands of mine provided not only for my own wants but for my companions also i left nothing undone to show you that laboring as i labored you ought to help the weak and to remember the words of the lord jesus how he said himself it is more blessed to give than to receive when paul had finished speaking he knelt down and prayed with them all all were in tears and throwing their arms round paul's neck they kissed him again and again grieving most of all over what he had said that they would never see his face again then they escorted him to the ship chapter twenty one when we had torn ourselves away and had set sail we ran before the wind to kos the next day we came to rhodes and from there to patera where we found a ship crossing to phoenicia and went on board and set sail 
After sighting Cyprus and leaving it on the left, we sailed to Syria and put into Tyre, where the ship was to discharge her cargo. There we found the disciples and stayed a week with them. Speaking under the influence of the Spirit, they warned Paul not to set foot in Jerusalem. However, when we had come to the end of our visit, we went on our way, all the disciples with their wives and children escorting us out of the city. We knelt down on the beach and prayed, and then said good-bye to one another, after which we went on board, and they returned home. After we had made the run from Tyre, we landed at Ptolemaeus, and exchanged greetings with the brethren there, and spent a day with them. The next day we left and reached Caesarea, where we went to the house of Philip the missionary, who was one of the seven, and stayed with him. He had four unmarried daughters, who had the gift of prophecy. During our visit, which lasted several days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. He came to see us, and taking Paul's girdle, and binding his own feet and hands with it, said, This is what the Holy Spirit says. The man to whom this girdle belongs will be bound like this at Jerusalem by the Jews, and they will give him up to the Gentiles. When we heard that, we and the people of the place began to entreat Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. It was then that Paul made the reply, Why are you weeping and breaking my heart like this? For my part I am ready not only to be bound, but even to suffer death at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. So, as he would not be persuaded, we said no more to him, only adding, The Lord's will be done. At the end of our visit we made our preparations, and started on our way to Jerusalem. Some of the disciples from Caesarea went with us, and brought Manesson with them, a Cypriot disciple of long standing with whom we were to stay. On our arrival at Jerusalem the brethren there gave us a hearty welcome, and the next day Paul went with us to see James, and all the officers of the church were present. After greeting them, Paul related in detail all that God had done among the Gentiles through his efforts, and when they had heard it, they began praising God, and said to Paul, You see, brother, that the Jews who have become believers in Christ may be numbered by tens of thousands, and that they are all naturally earnest in upholding the Jewish law. Now they have heard it said about you that you teach all Jews in foreign countries to forsake Moses, for you tell them not to circumcise their children, or even to observe Jewish customs. Well now, as they are certain to hear of your arrival, do what we are going to suggest. We have four men here, who have of their own accord put themselves under a vow. Join these men, share their purification, and bear their expenses so that they may shave their heads, and then all will see that there is no truth in what they have been told about you, but that on the contrary you yourself rule your life in obedience to the Jewish law. As to the Gentiles, who have become believers in Christ, we have sent our decision that they should avoid food offered to idols, and blood, and the flesh of strangled animals, and impurity. On this Paul joined the men, and the next day shared their purification, and went into the temple, and gave notice of the expiration of the period of purification, when the usual offering should have been made on behalf of each of them. But just as the seven days were drawing to a close, the Jews from Roman Asia caught sight of Paul in the temple, and caused great excitement among all the people present by seizing Paul and shouting, Men of Israel, help! This is the man who teaches every one everywhere against our people, our law, and this place. And what is more, he has actually brought Greeks into the temple and defiled this sacred place. For they had previously seen Trophimus the Ephesian in Paul's company in the city, and were under the belief that Paul had taken him into the temple. The whole city was stirred, and the people quickly collected, seized Paul, and dragged him out of the temple when the doors were immediately shut. 
they were bent upon killing him when it was reported to the officer commanding the garrison that all jerusalem was in commotion he instantly got together some officers and men and charged down upon the crowd who when they saw the commanding officer and his men stopped beating paul then he went up to paul arrested him ordered him to be doubly chained and proceeded to inquire who he was and what he had been doing some of the crowd said one thing and some another and as he could get no definite reply on account of the uproar he ordered paul to be taken into the barracks when paul reached the steps he was actually being carried by the soldiers owing to the violence of the mob for the people were following in a mass shouting out kill him just as he was about to be taken into the fort paul said to the commanding officer may i speak to you do you know greek asked the commanding officer are not you then the egyptian who some time ago raised an insurrection and led the four thousand bandits out into the wilderness no said paul i am a jew of tarsus in silesia a citizen of a city of some note and i beg you to give me permission to speak to the people the commanding officer gave his permission and paul standing on the steps made signs with his hand to the people and when comparative silence had been obtained he spoke to them in hebrew as follows chapter twenty two brothers and fathers listen to the defence which i am about to make when they heard that he was speaking to them in hebrew they were still more quiet and paul went on i am a jew a native of tarsus in silesia but i was brought up in this city under the teaching of gamaliel and educated in accordance with the strict system of our ancestral law i was as zealous in god's service as any of you who are here to-day in my persecution of this cause i did not stop even at the taking of life i put in chains and in prison men and women alike and to that the high priest himself and all the council can testify for i had letters of introduction from them to our fellow jews at damascus and i was on my way to that place to bring those whom i might find their prisoners to jerusalem for punishment while i was still on my way just as i was getting close to damascus about midday suddenly there flashed from the heavens a great light all round me i fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me saul saul why are you persecuting me who are you lord i replied then the voice said i am jesus of nazareth whom you are persecuting the men with me saw the light but did not hear the speaker's voice then i said what am i to do lord get up and go into damascus the lord said to me and there you shall be told all that you have been appointed to do in consequence of that dazzling light i could not see but my companions led me by the hand till i reached damascus there a man named ananias a strict observer of our law well spoken of by all the jewish inhabitants came to see me standing close to me he said saul my brother recover your sight and then and there i recovered my sight and looked up at him then he said the god of our ancestors has appointed you to learn his will and to see the righteous one and to hear words from his lips for you shall be a witness for him to all the world of what you have just seen and heard and now why wait any longer be baptized at once wash away your sins and invoke his name after my return to jerusalem while i was praying one day in the temple i fell into a trance and saw jesus saying to me make haste and leave jerusalem at once because they will not accept your testimony about me lord i answered these people know that i used to imprison and scourge in synagogue after synagogue those who believed in you and when the blood of your martyr stephen was being shed i was myself standing by approving of his death and took charge of the clothes of those who were murdering him 
But Jesus said to me, Go, for I will send you to the Gentiles far away. Up to this point the people had been listening to Paul, but at these words they called out, Kill him! A fellow like this ought not to have been allowed to live! As they were shouting, tearing off their clothes and throwing dust in the air, the commanding officer ordered Paul to be taken into the fort and directed that he should be examined under the lash, that he might find out the reason for their outcry against him. But just as they had tied him up to be scourged, Paul said to the captain standing near, is it legal for you to scourge a Roman citizen unconvicted? On hearing this, the captain went and reported it to the commanding officer. Do you know what you are doing, he said? This man is a Roman citizen. So the commanding officer went up to Paul and said, Tell me, are you a Roman citizen? Yes, replied Paul. I had to pay a heavy price for my position as citizen, said the officer. I am one by birth, rejoined Paul. The men who were to have examined Paul immediately drew back, and the officer, finding that Paul was a Roman citizen, was alarmed at having put him in chains. On the next day, the commanding officer, wishing to find out the real reason why Paul was denounced by the Jews, had his chains taken off and directed the chief priests and the whole of the high council to assemble, and then took Paul down and brought him before them. End of chapter 17 through 22